Hello, and welcome to the Bubbly and Baseball podcast, hosted, as always, by Ed Hand and Bailey Von Schneider. If you love drinking sparkling adult beverages, and you also happen to love baseball, then we would love for you to join us. So, without further ado, here are Bailey and Ed. We're back, everybody. Uh for some bubbly baseball. I actually have some bubbly with me this time. Ooh. Yeah, it's a, it's a real champagne. It's called Le Burgundy. So it's a product of France. So I feel like I've been doing more like of the sparkling wine. <laughs> well, it's interesting that I found like a $10 bottle at just at Trader Joe's, which I was kind of excited by. Oh, I, know nice. you, I know you don't get to experience them. Um, alcohol Trader Joe's like I do and I feel sorry for you because it's quite it's quite a fun time <laughs> yeah no it's uh it's a bummer uh yes that that's uh Eddie and Bailey here actually drinking uh alcohol on her end I uh I have not been able to drink at all uh yeah. I was in the hospital for a couple of days and now I'm on a whole bunch of medication until uh Till March, so you know they didn't actually specifically say like no, you can't, you can't drink. But yeah. it's like I, I don't, I'm on so much right now, and there are already like side effects and stuff. Like I just randomly get really itchy from one of them, really? and it's like I never know, I never know where it's gonna be. But it's always like a place that's hard for me to reach or just like inconvenient during the day. Like you know how hard it is having the bottom of your foot itchy. It is oh. infuriating. Yeah, because you can't, it's not socially acceptable just to, like, take off your shoe and start, like, itching away. Yeah, or, like, violently <laughs> taking, like, like a hairbrush or something to it, like, just in the middle of work. Like, you just, you just can't do that. So I don't want to make things worse for me, so I'm not doing that. I'm not doing any edibles. I'm not, uh... Oh, really? Not having, I'm, so yeah, I can't. I can't exercise really right now. That I actually, um, like they were just like, so the thing that I was in the, uh, the R4 is, uh, periocarditis, which is, um, basically like the lining outside of your heart gets all swollen, um, from some kind of a virus. Um, you know, there's been a few different theories on it. It's actually, there's been a huge increase in myocarditis, which is what, mm-hmm. um, you know, like Eddie Rodriguez yes. got. And then periocarditis, so, like, the myocarditis is, like, the heart itself, mm-hmm. and then this is, like, the outer lining of the heart. Um, and the increase is from COVID vaccinations, and I think COVID itself, and they think that maybe, maybe the booster that I got might have had something to do with it, but at the same time, can't really, you know, there's no way to know for sure. Mm. Um so, you know, like, um, you know, there's also, I heard maybe it was something to do with, um, I got bit by a tick back in October, so oh, maybe it has to do with that. Man, you my know? mom got Lyme disease from a tick. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. no joke. That was, that was like the nurse that I work with was like, well, did you get tested for, uh, for Lyme disease? And I was like, why would I get tested? Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, oh, yeah, I mean, it hasn't been, uh, you know, January hasn't been my favorite uh, month, January 2022. But, you know, we did finally, at long last, get a little bit of uh, baseball talk. We um, did. So why don't you, uh, why don't you let everybody know what, if they are listening to this, they already know. Let's set the stage. Yes, yeah. So, um Finally, there's been talk between, you know, the Major League Baseball and the MLBPA about negotiations towards, like, getting away from this this lockout that we're in. 
So any any bit of news I feel like is is good news for that, and it seems as if um. But like Ed and I have discussed this before that like it seems like the players association is sort of backing down a little bit with their demands whereas Major League Baseball is staying very like very pat with uh, what they're doing. Fucking assholes. Yeah, so like that's the issue. It's like it's good to see that at least one side is willing to negotiate and I I believe Major League Baseball will as well. But it's 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 still it's encouraging, but we still have a long way to go. But like sort of any bit of news and it's interesting that they're both agreeing on things that are really important, like uh, raising the salary for, uh, <clears throat> you know, the minimum wage within uh, Major League Baseball, uh, the league minimum, which I think is great, because as we know, the minors, they don't treat their players well at all. Um, outside of, you know, you being like a first round draft pick and you already have a couple million in your back pocket, it's, it's very difficult to have a living wage for these other, these other men that just want to play baseball and love baseball and, you know, have to live off of like McDonald's, honestly. And it's not an exaggeration. This is the living conditions are terrible for these minor league players. So with maybe, you know, going a little like, uh, raising the minimum wage, the league minimum, maybe that'll start to, I don't know, like maybe trickle down a bit into the minors and that we just can take better care of our minor leaguers. I mean, I know Ed does a lot with the minors, so like he sort of has a, a little bit more of insight into what goes, goes on with them. Yeah, I mean, it hasn't been as much the minor leaguers so much as the minimum wage for the MLB players that they're mm-hmm. talking about, yeah. which, yeah. you know, like, it would be real. There are they, there has been some talk of the team, at least of teams like, you know, like providing housing. I believe that's being yeah. required now. So at least, Great. you know, they don't have to choose between eating or, <laughs> you know, paying their rent or that sort of thing. And also, it makes it so if you do make it to the majors, that is a substantial, I know it was already the case, mm-hmm. but it is a substantial, substantial pay raise. You go from maybe making, if you're lucky, $40,000 a year to, you know, like 400000 whatever the whatever it is now. Yeah. And they're talking, I believe, what is it? I think, I think they're trying uh, to the do PA about wants 600. 600, is that what it is? I think the MLBPA wanted around 700, and I think Major League Baseball sort of countered with 600. So maybe they'll meet in the in the middle middle a bit. Fine. I mean, but over half a million dollars going from, like you say, going from literally making nothing to what. Unfortunately, we know the how teachers don't make much money. So you're going from a salary less than a teacher, which to then making over half a million dollars. That's huge, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so even if you're up for, even if you get brought up for a day or two, that's yep. still, that's, pay, that's your, that's your month for, that's your rent for like two months right there. Yeah. You know, just for, just for getting that call. So, you know, that's a big deal. Um, now again, this only affects players on the 40 man roster. Yes. So not, not so. Yeah, unfortunately it doesn't really otherwise. help the minor leaguers, but maybe we can hopefully things will get better for them eventually. That would be lovely. Yeah, um, I know that. Um, mm-hmm. Is it? I believe the arbitration process is something that got dropped, right? That yeah, like, they the, wanted uh, to go to six years from seven of control. I think it was five. Right? Was it five to? I think it was five to six. I think it's six was right it, now. Oh, is it six right now? I don't know if it was yeah, six or seven. I believe it's six right now. It's like three where it's not arbitration, but you got to raise, and then another three where it's arbitration. Yeah. 
But, like, that's been a big sticking point also. Yeah, because that's how, you know, that's something with, like, Chris Bryant. And, like, when they didn't bring him up after a fantastic spring training and was completely MLB ready, and uh, they kept him in the minors until the clock will would be for their benefit. I mean, it's terrible, but this is what happened. So you have somebody like that that then tries to, you know, take that to court to, you know, say, hey, I was more than ready to play in the in MLB, like, and you're like, oh no, we're gonna keep you in the minors because defense. I I really hate the just the surface time manipulation stuff. Yeah, so there was like something that I remember hearing that in the original MLBPA proposal, it was like if the guy in the first three years finishes in like the top thirty for WAR or like the top ten for like MVP, Rookie of the Year, Cy Young, all that stuff then there's draft pick compensation. And I really like that. I really like the idea that if the players that you develop do well, then you get rewarded for it. Now, I don't, I'm curious how that would play in with guys like, uh, like who we're going to talk about in a little bit, say a Suzuki, mm-hmm. but um, like, you know, like a Japanese player or a Cuban player or somebody that played somewhere else and developed through that. Yeah, that's but, a good point. But I do think it's a good way to at least, I think that, I think that you have to reward teams for uh, bringing up their minor league talent rather than just like remaining totally neutral. Yeah, and like that's the thing is that I think minor league talent is so valuable and that's the thing that I really like about High and Bloom and what, you know, they do with the Rays, the, you know, as an organization is that they, granted the Rays, don't spend money so they're not bringing in huge free agents so that's why they really promote their their minor leaguers and give them a chance to shine but it's like these people that just say like oh like it's a prospect it's a prospect i was like at one point mookie betts was a prospect and how would you have felt if they just traded mookie betts for somebody that was a proven talent and then he goes off and becomes mookie betts so it's like the idea of like you know i think there's too, there can be too much prospect hoarding but then i think at the same time people that don't value prospects i've always felt like your favorite player started out as a prospect at one right point, you know so and this is um maybe not the best example for this but i do these like i think i've told you this i do these like very uh detailed replay leagues that's mm-hmm. like this mixture of fantasy baseball and dungeons and dragons where you replay the stats and I, for the longest time, I think I started doing this when I was, like, 10, and I was always like, well, prospects, you know, they're not proven, so I can't really take a shot on them. I have to get people that are proven. And my teams just weren't that good. And as soon as I realized that you actually, like, if you get younger guys and guys that aren't quite there yet, but, like, are going to have talent, you know, like, I started doing a lot better. Um, that's one of those things that I think maybe it's easier when you see it in practice. I think people that are Red Sox fans are going to be real happy with what they get from Nick York and Tristan Cassis and those guys when it gets a little closer. Because, you yeah. know, if you have any eye for, eye for talent, like, man, those guys are good. Man. Yeah. They- and, like, Cassis just came out and said that he's, like, 6'4", like, what, 260 or something now? It's, like, something outrageous. Like, he is huge. But the thing is, like, you know, Tristan Casas isn't a Haim product. Uh, that was a Dave Dombrowski. So for yeah. all the hate that people give Dave Dombrowski, like, he didn't trade away the huge parts. Like, if you really think about it, like, who did he trade away that really hurt you? Like, sure, you could say, oh, we got rid of Kopak and we got rid of Moncada. But at the same time, we That's had Devers. We had Devers waiting to 
pick up the pieces at their base. We even had, you know, somebody like Tanner Houck to pick up the pieces of a of a of a Michael Kopech. And like you said, Chris Sale. Like <laughs> you get Chris yeah. Sale back. I, I don't think that you can complain about the trades that Dombrowski made. I oh. think the biggest issue with him was that he traded out of the system and there wasn't any depth to replenish it yes. with. Yeah. That was funny. the problem more mm-hmm. than because uh, he held on to his good prospects too. He didn't trade really Devers. Did. Nope. No, no. I mean he 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 like killed that White Sox trade. Like really, think about it. And it's a trade that can work out really well for both sides. Like the Red Sox already won a World Series. We still have Chris Dale and I think Chris Dale is gonna take a huge step forward in, you know, the you know, coming back from Tommy John in twenty yeah, fingers crossed, fingers crossed in twenty twenty two. And then, you know, they can potentially have Somebody really good in, in Michael Kopech and somebody who, in my opinion, isn't as good as Devers, but really, really, really good in Yohan Moncada. So yeah. it can be a win-win, really. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Teams, they, it happens all the time where they're both happy with what they get and it works out for both of them. Mm-hmm. You know what, I'm, as far as prospects go, and uh, you're bringing this up a little bit before, a report came out uh, yeah. a couple days ago that um, Seiya Suzuki... You can make a case that he's the biggest uh, Japanese prospect, Japanese player, sorry, mm-hmm. not even really prospect. He's 27, and he's done done pretty well over there. Um, Absolutely. He's definitely coming to the U.S., and yes. there were rumors in the eight <laughs> days that he's been available, that he was available before uh, the lockout happened. Yeah. There were rumors that the Red Sox were interested in him, and then half an hour before the lockout happened, the Red Sox go and trade their starting right fielder for a couple of prospects and a fourth outfielder, yeah. opening the right field spot. Now, this guy, Seiya Suzuki, just happens to play right field, happens to be gold glove caliber, happens to be costing about, they think, a $50 million contract, plus whatever the posting fee is going to be. Yeah. And it just happens, uh, happens that the Red Sox now have the space for him, and a rumor mm-hmm. comes out yesterday and that rumor is that uh, it's a done deal that he's going to, uh, as soon as the lockout's over, uh, sign with the uh, Boston Red Sox. What do you think, Bailey? What do you think of this report? Um, I don't trust anything that comes out <laughs> right now, given especially with the lockout. Um, but like you said, the the things are, the pieces, you know, the are falling into place potentially really, really well with, like you said, the the trade of Hunter Renfro and, oh, we need a right fielder and, oh, we can replace him, you know, get rid of Hunter Renfro. And, like, I love Hunter Renfro and I, everything that he did for the team in 2021, not speaking ill of him. He had his career year. I hope he, he does really, really well um, for the Brewers. But you're potentially replacing him with somebody quite a bit better. Not just yeah. defensively, but offensively. And that's really, really exciting. Like, people have compared him to, like, Hideki Matsui. Like, if you, if you can get a player of the caliber of Hideki Matsui, like, sh- shit. Like, with, oh, God. I, Matsui was so good. And he did the little things so well. That's one thing. Like, you, that guy, like, played good defense. He knew all of the little things, like, where to position yourself, how to hit the cutoff guy most effectively, how to, how to, how to wear out a pitcher. Like, he, you know, not going to be a Hall of Famer. Obviously, not going to be Ichiro, not going to be uh, no. Shohei Otani, no. but you get a guy like that, Matsui, you know, won the, he was the World Series MVP. 
Yeah. Pretty solid player year in and year out. You get a guy that's anything close to that. He might even be better than Matsui too, because Matsui, um, you know, there were some there were some flaws in his game. Yeah. Suzuki might he's a better he is a better fielder than him. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. And that's right. you know, like he, we'll see. We'll see. The, the adjustment to the U.S. isn't always easy. Oh, Maybe yeah. he could, you know, he could be Kosuke Fukunaga. He could be uh, Suyoshi Shinjo. There's a lot of, been a lot of Japanese players, but it's just as far as the hype goes, you're absolutely spot on with Matsui being the, the comparison that he's been getting. Yeah, and it is true. There's always going to be the hype. I mean, we, we live through the Daisuke Matsusaka hype. Like, this is the greatest pitcher that the Japan has ever seen. And the Red Sox got him. I remember the media coverage. I remember when John Henry's plane landed at Hanscom Air Force Base. And I remember the media that was there, the giant posting fee. Like, and, oh, my God, like, the gyro ball that we were supposed to see and never saw. And somehow walking the bases loaded every inning and getting out of it. So he's like a freaking wizard when it came to that. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, The thing is, though, that, like, Today, the amount of pitches that um, that Dice K had thrown, he wouldn't make it past the second inning nowadays. <laughs> no, no, it's uh, the game has changed. Yeah, for better oh, or worse. Woo, woo. But the one thing about uh, Dice K, it did seem that he did truly have like that rubber arm. Like he was oh, just yeah. like, I'm a throw. How it didn't matter and th- things like that. So it, it was a wild thing to watch. So it's a part of me is never really gonna get like super hype about. Anybody that comes from anywhere, really, like from just like the talk, but like, but like you said, if you could get somebody who's on a caliber of uh, a Hideki Matsui, that would just be incredible for the Red Sox, and especially like shoring up the defense because that was a huge issue. You put him in right, you put Verdugo in left, and then you keep Kike in center. That's a damn, damn good defensive outfield. Yeah, too bad none of them can play first base. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's got to be a, yeah, that'll be the bit of an issue, like, you know. Um, yeah, that brings it to, like, if you get somebody like a Suzuki, does that then, you know, take you out of uh, bringing Kyle Schwarber back? Because is your full faith in, you know, Dahlbeck playing first? Like, there's still so many questions because the offseason isn't over and people get, like, really rip shit before the lockout because, like, the Red Sox didn't do what the Texas Rangers did. It's like... Cool, the Texas Rangers have never spent money ever, and now they're spending money. Let them spend money. Let these teams spend money and still not win the World Series. It's fine. <laughs> just, just buy as many shortstops as you can. Yeah. It seems to be yeah. the Texas strategy. Which, You're just going to hoard them all. I'm fine with it. You know, that's going to be it's good. They're going to be a, Texas is going to be a fun team to watch. I hope they oh, actually yeah. sign some pitching other than John Gray. Yes. They definitely need pitching because, like, are you going to really go into the season being like, oh, we we have Lider. Yeah, Lider, yeah. like, what? He's never pitched professional baseball at this point, you know? He's still needs to be in the minors. It would be wild, though, if they brought him straight to the, straight to the majors. Who the hell but, knows, man? Who the hell knows? I wouldn't yeah. trust it, but, like, you never know. <laughs> well, hopefully we'll have some actual baseball, hopefully within a uh, month or so. I mean, I think it does – it seems like that direction – it's at least – I don't want to say it's moving in the right direction, but at least it's moving, you yeah, know? Yeah, like, you're feeling hopeful that if you can get this done in the next couple, because, of course, another rumor popped up that, you know, somebody said that, like, my inside sources say that it's going to be a done deal in the next, like, couple of days. Oh, yeah, yeah no, I saw that. I don't saw trust that. it. Yeah, why would why would you? It's like that. It's like the report with uh, Suzuki is like they were like, oh, it's uh, sports uh, Yahoo. No, it's like some random Japanese website that may or may not actually be credible. Like yeah. it's 
You know, and like, yeah, like, um, Koji Uihara interviewed him and was like trying to pry it out if oh, he's going yeah. to Boston or not. And it's like, well, cool. Thank you, Koji. Yeah. But, which, by the way, I feel like Koji could come back and pitch like, like, oh. the guy looks like he's in great shape. He could yeah. totally come back and still throw that splitter just, just, you know, just like it's 2013. Oh, good times. Good times. Love to be some Koji. But yeah, we've, we've been, like, the Red Sox have not, we, we've never really had a, a position player, uh, that's Japanese, right? Uh, we've, we've had great I feel like it might, Was there ever, like, a backup or something like that? I don't even truly know. So this would be, like, potentially the Red Sox, like, yeah. first introduction to a position player versus, like, we've had great luck with, with pitching. Yeah, certainly the first significant one. And I mean, I think it's been four, like, they had Nomo for a bit, and then obviously mm-hmm. Daisuke and Okajima, yep. Tazawa, and then most recently Sawamura. Mm-hmm. Um, and then granted, but, we didn't, uh, we didn't initially bring on, um, Koji, but Koji worked out for the Red Sox yeah, well. From yeah, he wasn't a rookie with them. Yeah, no, he wasn't no. a rookie with us, but he no. came to, he came, was with Boston for like three, three or four years, I think. Yeah, yeah. So like, we, we did have good luck bringing in Koji and then Koji kind of just miraculously being like the best closer I think yeah. I've ever seen. Like, what the hell? <laughs> like, I, yeah. I don't know. It's just great, though. It was so great. I loved every second of it. So, yeah, I'm really not co- I'm not sure if they've had a, a position player from Japan ever. So this would be a first, and it would be really, really exciting. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I don't think – it's interesting with as far as expectations go. I don't know because I think that with Otani – I don't think he'd have quite as much to live up to as, like, what Otani had to deal with, the pressure that was on oh him my to God. perform. Yeah, and just Otani being, like, the the first player since Babe Ruth to be, like, the yeah. two-way player. Like, there's just so much added pressure. And then it did take Otani really until 2021 to have a giant breakout season on really both ends, being, yeah. you know, MVP-level uh, offensive player and then, you know, putting in a damn good uh, pitching season made it MVP overall, like – of course, like you're yeah. not going to top that. So yeah, but it did take him a little bit of an adjustment period. So I think you always have to give these these players a little bit of an adjustment period. But at the same time, who the hell knows? He could come in and just be freaking Ichiro Suzuki and win MVP and Rookie of the Year in, in one season. Right. But again, again, he's a different beast too. Yeah, completely different, completely different player. That's it's funny, and this it's kind of a good lead into uh, what we're going to be talking about next because I think that. Ichiro, when he goes to the uh, onto the Hall of Fame ballot in a couple of years, he's got a shot at being a 100 percenter for that, yeah. like Rivera was. Because I, I, if you were to say no, Ichiro Suzuki does not belong in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, and do we talk about people like need to lose their ballot? But yeah. I really think that, that that should be what happens if you don't vote for Ichiro, because you don't, you yeah. do not give a shit about the sport if that's the case. You care about yeah. standing out and making your, uh, like a point, but that, yeah. no, there, there's yeah. never been an Ichiro before, there won't be an Ichiro again. Um, yeah, the man hit in, like, he was a legend in the NPB, and then became a legend in, in MLB. <laughs> like, he got 3,000 hits despite starting his career in the U.S. at, like, 28. Like, yeah. it, it's bonkers. You yeah, know, that's... Yeah, yeah. Did he have, like, almost 6,000 hits? Like, in uh, total, I, I don't know if that was the total the amount. I think it might... It I think it was... Crazy. It was probably closer to, like, had like 45,000. He didn't even... I think he only played in Japan for, like, six years or something as... Uh, 
as a regular before he came to the U.S. I'm actually, don't quote me on that. Yeah, but, I just remember uh, it was like crazy the amount of hits that he had in both in both leagues, just sort of, you know, crazy. And yeah. and just coming in, like he he also like he had the major league baseball for hits, 262 in a single season. Just so many things that he did, the accolades that he did, not only like you said, not only in MLB but in in the NPV as well. Which is just absolutely bonkers that somebody yeah. was uh, just yeah over three thousand hits yeah he had three thousand eighty nine hits with Major League Baseball but I'm curious to see what his MPB stats were too. Um, it was a seamless adjustment. He was yeah. it, it, it was probably better in the uh, in it, it was honestly probably better in the U.S. than he was in Japan. Like it's friggin' terrifying. It brings into the idea of like the corruption of the voting, so that could lead into what what we're going to talk about when you have people that hand in nobody on a ballot, or I don't know what's worse, handing in a blank ballot or handing in a Jeff Kent only ballot. <laughs> uh, yeah, the Shaughnessy ballot with oh. Kent. Okay, so honest to God, truth, I'd vote for Kent if I had a uh, if I had a ballot. Like I, he deserves. I from. My opinion, he's one of the greatest hitting second baseman to ever play the game. And yeah, you you're say, not, well, it's not wrong, yeah. but... But you just, you're yeah. going to put Jeff Kent in, but not put Scott Roll and Todd Helton yep. and Billy Wagner. Because I can even get, if you're on your high horse about the steroid users, at least, like, you know, like, you can say you're consistent. Okay, no bonds, no yeah. Ortiz, no, 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 you know, fine, whatever. Whatever, yeah. But just Kent? Just Kent, you Kent only. Me, you're just being a dick. That's yeah. all you're doing at that point. You're just being a dick. And you work hard to to get to vote. Like you have yeah. to you have to be a writer, a reputable writer in the BBWAA for I believe ten years. Dan Shaughnessy you... is a Hall of Fame writer. He's I know, not he's even just a writer. There. He's uh, yeah. won numerous awards. He's for all intents and purposes a very good writer whose entire brand is being an asshole. And then when he's an asshole and people are get get mad about it. His reaction is like, oh, well, where are you mad about it? I'm just, I'm just telling it like it is. I'm just telling it. Like it well, Dan, this is your brand. Your brand is to piss people off, and you're being surprised. Yeah. Like, like, like people acting like, why are people being so harsh on him? It's what he wants. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't, you're just I don't, trolling. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking yeah. about. That, um, Absolutely. Gasp, Alex Gaspar, whatever the fuck his name is, uh, who's like, was, like, trying to defend the whole thing. It's like, I don't know, it's like... It, 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 go Running into a movie theater and screaming fire and then wondering why you got arrested for it. Yeah. You know? Really. Like, oh, God. It, and, it's so mad, <laughs> Yeah, no, it, it, it definitely frustrates me. And then you have the people that um, came out and, like, said, oh, I didn't vote for Ortiz because of PEDs, but then checked off Bonds and Clemens. Right. So that's that's another story entirely, too, because as if, again, if you are listening to this, you already know David Ortiz, first ballot Hall of Famer, becomes the fifth Red Sox first ballot Hall of Famer, uh, joining the likes of Ted Williams, Carl Yastrzemski, Wade Boggs and his uh, big brother, best pal. Pedro Martinez, who uh, in that video where he got the call was looking oh. at him so with so much adoration in his eyes. It was he uh, believed in him so much. Like also, did you see David Ortiz's shirt there? I want that oh, shirt. That David was Ortiz was looking fire. That yeah, man he was, knew he was yeah. getting. He's like, I'm getting in. 
Um, like I'm gonna look good. I could still hit like 40 bombs. <laughs> like, Barely. Know. I mean, he 77 uh, percent is cut a little it. close, but he little still did. Close. Yeah, he did it. That's did the it. point. He did it. And Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, who I uh, will go on record every single time saying they belong in the Hall of Fame, yeah. uh, did not get in. And um, the shitstorm that has taken place <laughs> through oh, just all over. I had a guy. Uh, I had a guy called me woke. Uh, which oh my was god, that really. Was- ex- Hilarious. Exciting. Absolutely um, hilarious. Now, this is, this is just our, like, baseball Twitter bullshit, but at the same time, I think it does kind of capture a little bit of a, a little bit of a microcosm of how things are here. And what basically happened was I, I made a post that was like, uh, what was it? I think it was Barry Bonds, David Ortiz, and, uh, Roger Clemens belong in the Hall of Fame. Alex Rodriguez and Manny Ramirez do not belong in the Hall of Fame. These things are both true. And like, this is, this is my stance on it. If you got popped for steroids after they were actually testing for them, no, then yeah, you shouldn't be able to. You got it. But if you're punishing them for something that wasn't actually illegal at the time, now I, I mean, I went through like the history of this stuff and it's really confusing because in 1991, steroids were considered illegal within the U.S. However, in, within baseball specifically itself, it was more of an implication, but there was never anything officially written. Then you have the strike in 1994, the game's badly damaged by it, mm-hmm. and then in 1998, you have the home run race between Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa, brings interest back, puts baseball, if not at the top of, uh, of the big four, at least within the top two of the big four sports. And then in 2003, they start actually testing people. They start saying, okay, there's, you know, 40 to 70. Yeah. Um, and then they actually started testing in 2004 before officially banning the steroids themselves in 2005. So to me, if, if you're a player that got in trouble for steroids and it happened prior to 2004 when they actually started testing for them, you're being punished for something that was the norm that was not illegal at the time prior to it, and I think that that's pretty absurd. Now, on t- Twitter, I, I made this point, and some other guy got really uh, butthurt about it for some reason, and, uh, you know, was like, well, the writers, uh, you know, character matters. And I was like, oh, man, you're going to be really upset when you realize how many segregationists are in the Hall oh of Fame. Ty Cobb is in the Hall of Fame, everybody. Not even, and Cobb wasn't, the, the Cobb gets the reputation, or Cobb wasn't the worst of them. You know, of course he was, not. He, he was just an abrasive dickhead. But White like, men you, of the 1930s and 40s that played Major League Baseball are in the Hall of Fame. Do you think that they were not racist? Like, like and again, I don't think they should be taken out of it, because if it's a baseball museum, you can't just whitewash it. You can't yeah. just remove the parts that you don't like and keep in the Absolutely. parts that you do. Um, That's true. And I find that, so if you're going to start doing, like, those purity politics now, then you have to go back and just remove everybody, you know, Orlando Cepeda getting uh, getting arrested for, uh, for drugs. Like, um, you know, any player that ever... Drug, like on a DUI or something like that. Yeah. You know, and it's like, yeah, those things are objectively bad, but it's, again, and it drives me nuts about the, the, the writers and the fans that I think just don't like certain players and they want to have an excuse not to that. like certain players. Yeah. 
But it, uh, sorry, going, I don't want to cut my story short there. Yeah. But basically, I said that to the guy, and he was like, I can't agree with your wokeness. And he put the wokeness in quotes, in quotes yeah. which I just imagined, like, I can't agree with your wokeness, as the kids call it. Um, <laughs> which was just, like, also, like weird way, because it's not even using it right. Like, No, I, no, it's I don't not, think I'm particularly right. woke. I think, like, the, the, I, I've got feelings towards that term, I think it's been really badly appropriated over the last yeah. 10 years. And just yeah. the, the meaning of it isn't what it was intended to, etc., etc. Um, but that's not what wokeness is. Like, it's not even what the... The guy completely missed yeah. the point of what I was saying. Because he was like, it was a social norm back then. It's like, okay. Okay, it was cool to be racist then. What does that mean? Yeah, so does that mean that because it was cool to... It's cool to be racist. Like, they get a pass on the racism, but you don't get a pass on doing steroids, which were technically legal at the time. Okay, fuck off. Go fuck yourself, asshole. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I always hate the idea of, like, you know, because, like, I have an, an older mom, and she does it to rile me up when I know she doesn't mean it, but she's like, well, everybody was racist when Ty Cobb was racist. I'm like, it doesn't make it okay. No, but that doesn't mean you take him out of the hall, either. Oh, absolutely. And I'll, think I'll die on that hill. Like, no. I'm Jewish. The kind of shit that Hank Greenberg had to go through at this, in, that, in that era was oh, bad. Absolutely. absolutely. But... I'm not going to be like, oh, he said mean things about Jews, kick him out of the Hall of Fame. Like, no, that's it's ridiculous. It was a different time. Yeah, absolutely. And we have to sort of understand that it was a different time. And like that really goes back to the, the, the I mean, I'm glad that the Red Sox did change to from what Yawkey to, to Jersey Street. But at the same time, I feel like some of us don't really understand the full spectrum of who Tom Yawkey necessarily was. And how that name can also be associated with his wife, who separated herself from him and did really great things for the city of Boston. So it's just it's it's so it's it's just like this weird gray area when it comes to something like that. It's a complete know? lack of nuance. That's that's the yeah. problem that I have with it is just that. People can be do good things and bad things, and it doesn't mean that they're good or bad. Like yeah. that's where I get really frustrated with it. And that's where I get frustrated also with the Bonds and Clemens stuff because, like, yeah, Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens did steroids. They were in the Mitchell Report. Yeah. You know, they didn't take a positive test, nope. but they were still in the Mitchell Report, and I honestly consider that just, just about the same. True. But, I mean, you can look at their numbers, and there's a pretty good idea of when Bonds started juicing, and he would have still been a 400-400 player without that. He still would have won multiple MVPs without that. And then you start looking back in history. People say that they saw, uh, like, amphetamines in Willie Mason's locker. Babe Ruth and uh, God bless him injected himself with a serum that was made out of, like, sheep testicles that was supposed to, like, Yeah, everybody was trying to get a competitive edge. Yeah. It didn't really matter. Um, sort of, yeah, and the idea of, the idea of the amphetamines, or even if you bring it to the ideas of, like, Kali Stremski was loaded at every game, and who knows if that just made him at more ease, and he was able, like, who the hell knows? When people talk about how, like, paper, like, they, like, see old videos of paper, like, they're swear, Adam Adamita would have gone about three out of three times, that's what, it's like, okay, do you know the disadvantage paper was that because he was absolutely hammered yeah. every single game and yeah. still put up those numbers? Like, you bring Babe Ruth into modern times, he's going to be on a conditioning program, he's going to have access to real coaching, and he's not going to be drunk. Like, yeah. I'm pretty sure he's going to so be you're okay. you're good being wasted is, is kind of incredible to me. But yeah, the, these people were just taking 
taking different things at different times that were just availability. And the idea of, you know, you have Barry Bonds who's sitting there in like 1999 saying like, I'm the best player in baseball, but I'm seeing Sosa and I'm seeing, um, you know, McGuire do all of these things that I just can't do right now without the aid that they're getting. And it's like, well, I need the competitive edge to compete with these guys. So I'm going to then start taking steroids and, yeah, his steroids turned into being the all-time home run king, which probably does not does not exist without it. But like you said, 400 home runs to potentially 500 home runs probably existed within his game without steroids because he was such a good player. The plate discipline, steroids aren't going to help your plate discipline. Steroids are going to help move the ball out of the ballpark. They're not going to help you hit it. They're not going to help you draw the walks. So his on-base percentage isn't necessarily going to maybe change his like his slugging and his OPS will because he's hitting these home runs at just a, a crazy rate of speed. But the difference is that like what I find interesting is that he did all of these things to become, you know, the number one, like the all-time home run hitter, amongst other things that he did. But then you had somebody like Mark McGuire that took steroids, and it really just helped him hit home runs because th- that's just the difference between the talent of Barry Bonds that was within Barry Bonds as the ball player and the talent of, you know, Mark McGuire. Like, steroids or not, Mark McGuire is not a Hall of Famer. Before steroids, yeah, I'd say Barry Bonds is definitely a Hall of Famer. So it's just a different talent level. To begin with, I get what you're saying there. Um, and I, I, the only thing I disagree with is that I actually believe both McGuire and Sosa should be in the Hall of Fame simply because of the home run race in uh, 1998. I think that that did so much for baseball and was such an absolutely, oh, no, absolutely. incredible thing. I don't know how you can tell the story of baseball without them at this point. Um, mm-hmm. But as far as also like um, with Bob's, there are players in the hall already, and this is even before David Ortiz, and don't get me started about the people that are like, oh, he tested positive. We'll get um, into that. Ugh, stupid people. But <laughs> there are players, so you've got Jeff Bagwell, and you've got, who else is in there? Mike Piazza. Yvonne Rodriguez. Ira, who, and these are players that, when they were playing, I don't remember anybody talking about them being rumored on, being on steroids, but you know, after they retire and everything, then you start to hear a little bit of innuendo, and it's, it gets to the point that everybody playing in that era that hit home runs is gonna be rumored to be on there, and if that's not enough, you're also getting, like, with Clemens, who, again, was in the Mitchell report, yeah. there were pitchers that did steroids, you know, they're getting, getting lumped. Everybody's under suspicion now. There's no reason to believe. There's no re- way that there's no way that you can objectively say this person did steroids, this person didn't. It's kind of like you're passing the eye test. I look at Ken Griffey Jr., and you know, you know why I say he probably wasn't on steroids? Because if he was, whatever they were doing wasn't working. Because the guy kept getting hurt. He couldn't seem Absolutely. to ever actually recover from it. That Absolutely. was the difference between him and Bonds. I don't think that uh, Bonds... Like you said, I, it didn't affect his ability to make contact or his ability to see the ball, or honestly, just his knowledge of pitchers. Like the guy knew opo- like opposing pitchers, I think better than some of the pitchers knew themselves. Like he was, he was unbelievable. The guy was an absolute genius when it came yeah, to hitting. Very cerebral when it came to yeah. the game of baseball. But it allowed him to play for longer. I think that's what the thing with Bonds and, and you know, there's that. God, I forget. I think it was Jimmy Connors, the tennis player, who had this line about experience. Worst part of experience is by the time you get it, you're too old to use it. And I think steroids allowed him 
to take that experience and use it a little bit better. Like, with a guy who really understands hitting that well, age is going to help them so long as their body can keep up with it. When you look yeah. at, like, uh, David Ortiz, his body gave out on him when you when you hear about what his uh, preparation did. But he was seeing the ball better, and he was hitting the ball better that last year of his career that he had Same. earlier in his career because he was so because of that experience. We talk about the steroids with Ortiz, and there are people saying, like, oh, he tested positive. So... Let, let, let's talk about that for a second. Even if that's true, even if David Ortiz is juicing in 2002-2003, when he comes over from the Twins, we're still to one, steroids not illegal at the time. So I think he wouldn't have gotten suspended. Nobody would have been getting suspended for it because they didn't care. It was great for the game. But he never tests positive after testing actually starts. And he's being tested more than just about anybody in the game is, and he never fails a test. So do you mean to tell me that David Ortiz is just some kind of this criminal mastermind <laughs> who, you know, depended on his, like, p- pissed off a mob boss in the Dominican Republic and was like, well, I don't need a bodyguard. My buddies will take care of it. I'm a popular guy. No, I don't, I don't think David Ortiz is, bless the guy's heart, but I don't think he's that kind of a criminal mastermind. Yeah. I think that, um, he probably, you know, maybe he was taking some kind of supplements that enhanced his strength. Who isn't? Maybe he was taking something that was perfectly legal within the game. I'm, I'm not sure, but whatever it was he was doing, he didn't get. He did never tested positive for any bad drugs. So you can really only look at that and say he was clean. You know. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing. Like you bring in the idea of the criminal mastermind. Why isn't he going to his buddy Manny saying, "Hey Manny, this is what I'm doing, and I'm not yeah. getting caught." And you're you going to get caught. Tell him, yeah, yeah. You won't have twice. Yeah, he got caught twice. Yeah. There's there's things like that that that's why like and you've talked about it too there's sort of the the gray area of we talk about bonds we talk about clemens and obviously also never testing positive uh which is just as a fact but like you said they're in the mitchell report where david ortiz was not in the mitchell report am i correct on that he was not in the mitchell report yeah because that's been another twitter propaganda do you think that Bonds and Clemens are going to get put into the Hall of Fame through uh, one of the committees? It's so tough because I like to believe that some of the committees are are people that played the game that understand a little bit better. So I, I would I would hope that potentially they will get in because like we live in a world where Harold Baines is in the goddamn. I, yeah. <laughs> I was about to say this is the same committee that put Harold Baines through, but still won't put Dick Adam through for some yeah. reason. So there's just things like that, that it's like, everything sort of has that level of corruption. So everybody's going to say like, Oh, the writers are what's corrupt. Like, we don't know if you let all of the players vote, like, how they feel truly about Barry Bonds. Like, maybe we would really know and he doesn't get in. Or, or they, like, I don't know. But yeah, it's because, like, you know, there's the idea of, like, you know, you get the people on Twitter now being like, David Ortiz is only in the Hall of Fame because of he was nice to the media. I was like, no. No, his, like, resume speaks for itself. I'm sorry. I still, I know Ed felt this way too. And it, it was close. I didn't think that he was going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, mainly because of the DH and mainly because of how long it took for, you know, Edgar Martinez to get in. Like, ten years. And Edgar Martinez was more than deserving. So the idea of, like, David Ortiz being a first ballot Hall of Famer, like, 
I was just like, that's not a thing. And, uh, but then it turned out to be, and I was very pleasantly surprised. I'm like, not disappointed in any way, especially given what he means to the organization and into baseball in general, you know, like there's no 2004 championship without David Ortiz. Like it's a, it's a fact. There's no 2013 without David Ortiz truly like even, even 2007, but like 13 and four were like the David Ortiz, like magic of like those two world series for, for sure. Yeah, and I think that, uh, to your point with Edgar Martinez, I think that if David Ortiz had been, if you switched career periods for David Ortiz and Edgar Martinez, it would have been the same thing. It would have taken Ortiz Absolutely. 10 years to get in and Martinez would. I think that Martinez needed to get in in order for Ortiz to do it on the first 100%. ballot. I don't think it happens otherwise because no, there, there wouldn't be precedent. I think that the two of them are comparable. I think as far as a pure hitter goes, Edgar Martinez probably a little better. Mm-hmm. I think as far as power, just raw power, and also there's the postseason performance. And there's also the fact that Ortiz, and I hate to say it, there's an East Coast bias. There is. I think playing in a yeah. city like Boston is going to give you a lot more notoriety than playing in a city like Seattle. Yeah. It's just, unless you're Ken Griffey Jr., it's just the way it is. Yeah, unless you're arguably, without injury, the greatest person to ever step yeah. foot on a baseball field. Yeah, you're 100% right. Like, Seattle, this is the problem. I The city of Seattle is an absolutely wonderful city. T-Mobile Park is one of the nicest ballparks I have ever been to. Like, Seattle baseball is fantastic, but like it's the Pacific Northwest. Nobody cares about the Pacific Northwest <laughs> as, as as shitty as it may seem. But excuse me. But the fact is that like you play in the city of Boston, you were one of the most historic franchises in the game of baseball. You won three championships, including breaking the curse. Like those things absolutely do factor in when people say, "Well, why why are we factoring in like the postseason?" Like you shouldn't. But then again, it's the idea of like the old the body of work. Like his body of work does include the postseason. It's not it's not the fault of David Ortiz that he played in the postseason. Just like it's not the fault of Mike Trout that he has been on the shittiest. Like his, his, like owners don't care about pitching. Like that's not his fault. The only fault is them saying here's four hundred and like twenty six million dollars. Are you gonna say no? And he didn't say no. Like you don't say no to Southern California and four hundred twenty six million dollars. I'm sorry. So the people that fault him for you know staying with the Angels at least at this point, like who knows trades, blah blah blah. Like we don't know what's gonna eventually what the future will bring. But right now he is a he is a. He is an Anaheim Angel, because I refuse to call them Los Angeles. He is an Anaheim <laughs> Angel. I'd like to just go back to California. He's a but California I was going to say, that's Angel. what my dad wants. That's my, my dad favorite. Wants, my dad still refers to them as the California same, Angels. Same with my mom. Your dad knows what's up. They should go back. I want the CA hat. Like, I want those <laughs> old school, ugly ass looking jerseys. Like, like you know, I want. Bring back all of the ugly ones. That Astros yeah. one that looks, oh, like, uh, that looks like shit. I wish the Diamondbacks would bring back their purple Dude, and purple. I love that was the actually purple a gorgeous Diamondbacks. That beautiful uniform. uniform. Bring it back. The ones they have now are dog shit. 100% agree on that one. That needs to come back as their actual uniform. (laughs) But, yeah, so, like, you just, you just, like, the the idea of faulting people for certain things about their game, I've always found just to be hilarious. It's like, oh, Mike Trout, like, you know, he's so good the regular season. It's not his fault that he's he's doing literally everything he can. He needs to stay healthier. Uh, that's a big issue of, like, Mike Trout now. There's been a few seasons of, you know, 
not being healthy. So I really, really, really love a 2022 healthy season for Mike Trout just to really, truly. I mean, I believe he's the best player in baseball unequivocally, but just like to keep proving it to people that like I am the best to play the game right now. So we've uh we got to wrap this up soon, mm-hmm. but I do want I do have one uh, more question for you before that. Just based mm-hmm. on the balance, based on who's coming on to the ballot, which I actually don't know off the top of my head for yeah, uh, 2023. Who's coming in? Yeah. Who do you think is getting into the hall next year, if anybody? Oh shit! Um. Oh god, who's well? Bonds, Bonds and Clemens are off it officially now, right? Bonds, Clemens, Sosa, and Schilling are all off. All right, they're all off, then shit. Oh, I don't know. Are we going to just, like, is Jeff Kent getting in? Is he the only, like, because, He's like. He's not say, even that close, though. Yeah, like, that's, that's, that's the hang thing. On, I'm looking up, I'm going to look up the list here. Yeah, let's see the percentage yeah. and who will pop up. Here. I know Papelbon fell off of it. Um, yeah, it's just sort of a bummer. It's uh, unfortunate. Um, okay, you know, so I, Carlos Beltran is, is headlining it next year, who I don't think he's going to yeah, get in next year. I don't think year. he's a Hall of Famer. It's, like, <laughs> it's um, the new guys coming on are Beltran, John Lackey, uh, K-Rod, Francis, and Francisco Rodriguez, and uh, Jason Worth. Those seems to be the biggest oh. names. Oh, oh shit, maybe that. nobody's getting into the Hall of Fame. And I don't think year. any of those guys are. But it's going to be some people that a lot of people voted for are getting off of that. So let me just see if I can find the vote totals for uh, this year, for yeah. 2022, because I actually just, if, if memory serves correctly, I actually think one guy might get in. So Is it Wagner, I'd love if Wagner got in. Wagner has a shot at it. Wagner's at 50% right now. Right. Uh, baseball hall of fame balloting. There we go. Um, so, if um, guys that are going to still be on it next year, the top one, and this is the guy that I actually think has the best shot at it. Scotty Rowland. I got okay. 63.2% of the vote. He's on his fifth year. Okay. Um, oh, he's got plenty of time. He's going to get third in. Third are so underrepresented in the hall, too. It's so hard for a third baseman to get in there, even though I think – I believe they're the least, uh, the least position there, because I think that people generally expect them to have first base power, and that's really not usually the case. I love the hot corner. I love a third uh, baseman. So, Scotty Rowland, 63.2%. I think next year he gets in. I think he's going to be the only guy. Yeah, especially, like you said, with no huge names coming in, he could get a huge bump. Yeah, and four pretty big names uh, just off the list entirely. Yeah. Five if you include Sosa. Um, then, let's see here, uh, Todd Helton at 52%. Mm-hmm. I think his number will go up. I don't know if he's going to get enough to get in. I love I love Todd Helton, but damn, like this is this is really like I need I think I need to really look at all of these guys and really like analyze like every aspect of their game to be like because I'm not a small hall person necessarily, but I'm also the I don't want it to turn into the hall of kind of okay good. That's fair. That's you know so like there there's really that I'm like we've kind of okay good with Harold Baines like Harold Baines is better Uh, than I ever would be. I think Harold Baines is just, like, mediocre, if we're being totally honest here. He played a long time. He did play quite a long time. Uh, I think it was, like, 22 years or something. So, like, people are really looking at the longevity of of things. But that's the thing. I love the Hall of Fame. I just went recently. You've been, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I went yeah. Uh, Last time I went was 2018. Uh, yeah. I'd like to go again soon. My girlfriend's never been there, so that's got to that's gotta change at some point. Yeah. I love every aspect of the – I love Cooperstown as a whole. I love the really small 
upstate New York vibe to it. I, yeah. I think there's everything beautiful about it. Hard I've to find hotels, but <laughs> yeah. Oh, I usually stay at the Best Western. It's close and it's oh, cheap, nice. and not in a COVID world. Like the pool is open. My mom and I were really <laughs> mad that the pool wasn't open this last time. Oh, exactly. We're like, oh god. Yeah. So I do, I think there's like a, there's a beauty, a beauty to the entirety of it. So like there's sort of that like my feelings towards it that I'm just like the best of the best should be really in here. So yeah, I get what you're saying. There is that. But then there's also the idea of like, okay, we're going to keep Alex Rodriguez out of the Hall of Fame. We're going to keep Pete Rose out of the Hall of Fame. But you go there, Alex Rodriguez's bat is in the Hall of Fame. Pete Rose's, like, spikes are in the Hall of Fame. Like, we're still, the Hall of Fame is still saying, hey, look at these accomplishments that these men have done, but we're going to keep them out because we don't really think the accomplishments are that great. So I, I find it's almost hypocritical at the same point. Yeah, I do get what you're saying. I think that it's, it's tough because I do think, like, you know, like, the rules are in place for a reason. You have to follow them. And yeah. I don't think it's, like, you know, again, with Aaron and Manny, as brilliantly talented as they were, Adar, they still got popped after the stuff was banned. They still had, yeah. year, like, year-long suspensions. So Absolutely. I find that to be a bit, uh, a bit more egregious. With Rose, that's a... That's a whole other can of worms. Yeah, we can do of a course. whole episode on that. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, it's valid for next year's looking pretty weak. It's, uh, we might be seeing somebody like Scott Rowland or Billy Wagner get in just because of that weakness of, on the ballot, which I, I would, I, I, I do truly think Scott Rowland belongs there. Um, I think Wagner was I think there's a case for Wagner. Yeah. You seem to be a little more gung ho on him. Than I liked me, I, I liked Wagner. It, I, you know, I had to look up his number. I looked up his numbers recently because I didn't understand how he was getting that high a percentage, and I was I didn't remember him being that dominant. And yeah. he was dominant. He was really good. And I just love the story of Wagner about how he broke his right arm as a kid and just picked up with his left hand and was like, "Oh shit, I have more velocity," and just like. Pitched an entire potentially Hall of Fame career with his non-dominant hand. There's just also something like I don't know romantic about that for me. Yeah. I don't know. No, I I I agree with you completely. And I mean, co- closers are, tend to be pretty uh, undervalued as far as the Hall goes. Um, you know, there are still some in there. And they, yeah. I think I think it's harder though. But I think with Lee Smith getting in, even though he had a shitload of saves, it does make it easier to justify some, someone like Wagner. Mm-hmm. But yeah. um. Yeah, do you have uh, anything else to add for this week? Anything else you want to talk about? I mean, I would just say that overall, I'm I'm looking forward to potentially the lockout ending. Uh, I love that we do have David Ortiz in the Hall of Fame, whether or not Yankee fans... Do you, I do love how if he was a Yankee, Yankee fans would be like, suck it, Red Sox fan. Oh my God, I know. Like, I'm so disappointed in them, and I, like, my mom grew up a Yankee fan, my dad's, uh, my dad grew, is from Long Island, uh, he grew up more of a Mets fan, but, you know, he got to, um, uh, he, like, won some award and got to interview the GM of the Yankees at some, at a point cool, for, like, his school newspaper, so, and honestly, I don't, I don't totally dislike the Yankees, I like there being a strong rivalry, I like I mean, I genuinely loved Mariano Rivera. Like, he was was awesome. I can't say a single bad thing about Mo. And, like, I was never a Jeter fan because, like, I've always come to the idea of, like, 
well, I know you love your Nomar Garcia power. I come to the yeah. fact of if Nomar was healthy, like we have, we had the better shortstop. Oh, no, definitely, it's definitely. It's but Jeter was still a great. He was still a great, yeah. and I don't, I don't Absolutely. like to. And championships yeah. will go a long way, and the pinstripes go a long way too. Oh hell yeah, hell yeah. Um, and you know, like I would, if Andy Pettit got in, I wouldn't be like, oh, he was a, he was a juicer or whatever. And the amount of people that are just digging into Ortiz, it's like you remember. Towards the end of his career, when they were like, Rip, no one on the Yankees has ever thrown to David Ortiz. Rip, gotta throw at him. Like, what mm-hmm. the fuck was that? You don't ask someone to throw at a player that's dangerous. Yeah, like, oh my god, it's so stupid. Like, it's one thing if it's, like, yeah. in-game, but it's, like, because the fans are demanding you do it. What the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, this toxic fandom. Um, yeah. and the, the, the fandoms can be toxic, and we see how toxic they can be. But my thing is, like, Mariano gets in, he gets in at 100%. Like, how do you not let Mariano Vera in at 100%? I agree with that. My thing is that Mario shouldn't have been the first 100%, because how do you look at Ken Griffey Jr. and go, eh, eh, doesn't deserve it. Like, Ken, I mean, as great as Griffey was, how do you do that Willie Mays? Yeah. You know? It's so true. Battle. Yeah. How the do those guys all, like, yeah. knock at 100%? Like, it's, it's true. It's insane. So the, the fact is that Mario Rivera was the first 100%. And I think there's just a part of me that was happy that Cheater wasn't a, damn close. But there's that part of me that's like at this point that like if you look at Cheater and you look at Junior and you say that Jeter is 100% a Hall of Famer and Ken Griffey Jr. isn't, like those things bought. He still technically people looked at it and said Jeter is more of a value because he did get a higher percentage in the 99. It was like, I think, um, I'm pretty sure that Jeter was 99.3%. I think like, um, like, uh, Jeter was like 99.67%. So technically people said, this vote is my vote goes to Jeter more than it does to Junior, and I'll never understand that. But I'm never going to say that Derek Jeter is not a Hall of Famer. I have an entire like my entire family is Red Sox people, and my one of my cousins like loved Jeter, and it was like a lot of things like she played shortstop as like um, when she was playing softball, and she thought he was cute. So those things would go a long way. Like I. I think to this day that Andy Pettit is one of the sexiest men that I've ever seen, and I can't explain it. I can't. It's just the thing. And I, I will say it. So he goes in the Hall of Fame. I'm like, just stare at me, and I'm going to melt. I don't care yeah. if you wore pinstripes and one, you, you know, so certain things like that. You know, but, yeah, it's just the Hall of Fame is it's it's corrupted. It's that we only allow the writers these sort of votes is just, it's just crazy. It's asinine. And like you said, people hold grudges. So, I mean, I don't know what the future is going to hold with, with next year, but you, like you said, yeah, Scott Rowland, is he going to be zero or it's probably going to be like maybe just Scott Rowland? Yeah. And, and that's fine. Or, or, and this is the note to, I think to end it on, it could be that the today's game committee decides to give all of the writers a giant middle finger and put in not just Bob's and Clemens, but just for the fuck of it, they throw Schilling into that mix. Too. Yeah. yeah, I suppose we could sort of talk on Schilling for just a second before we close off. And I think it comes to the, like, he got, what, like 75% of the vote, like, last year. Yeah. Very close. Um, you know, people could say what they want about him. I know that bringing in the character clause is a part of me that, like, some of the shit, it's not even a, it's not even politics. I don't give a shit where you fall in the political spectrum. There's a difference between being a Republican and saying the shit that Kurt Schilling has said. So yeah. that, it's, it's so hard for me to be like, why? And I understand speaking 
if you just look at him as a player, like Mike Messina is a Hall of Famer. Kurt Schilling is a Hall of Famer. Like, I don't care how you slice yeah. it. If you are allowing Mike Messina to get into the damn Hall of Fame, you are allowing Kurt Schilling into the Hall of Fame. But Mike Messina was a seemingly a stand-up gentleman versus Kurt Schilling just saying some awful things. But then at the same time, Kurt Schilling coming out today and just going gung-ho about David Ortiz. Like, it proved, like, nobody would ever tell you that Kurt Schilling wasn't a damn good like, person in the clubhouse and an amazing teammate. Like, there's not a person on this planet that would say that Kirchling wasn't a great teammate. Oh, yeah. It's just I mean, his mouth. Woo. Yeah, just could anytime. And I'll, I'll this, this is, this is, this is my ongoing thing with Schilling. I wish he hadn't gotten himself kicked off of ESPN because I loved hearing him talk about baseball. And but that's the only thing I love. Uh, he's one of the because he was very good at explaining it in a way that I think anybody could understand it, mm-hmm. and it's just he shouldn't have talked about literally like if you know he could have had all of like the stupid opinions that he has, and if he just uh, had been tactful enough not to bring it up in public or yep. you know even if he had just stopped the shot. first time, if he had just stopped, then. But then you can look at that and say also, but then he wouldn't be Kurt Schilling. And, you know, like, yeah, lo- and loved, I liked him. I like I genuinely he was one of my favorite pitchers to watch. As my a kid. God, my um, God, like you couldn't you like you said, there's so many things about 2004. Like you don't win 2004 without Kurt Schilling. Like, you know, and like yeah. the things that he did, like, no, but I don't think people would allow what happened to him today. Like the idea of like, oh, we think this might work. You're just gonna open me up on the table in the in the in the yeah. It'll be fine. Let's do it. Let's it'll just, be totally fine. We'll see what I happens. can do. It. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, I'm game. And then go out and pitch seven innings of like what one run baseball in like a do or die game. Like you can't take these certain things. You can't just take you can't take his regular season away from him either. And that's where you you go. Yeah. So it's just like keep your mouth the fuck shut. If you keep it shut, and I don't really know enough about you. I can sort of live in denial, and exactly. I like you can project yourself time. onto him. Just project your own opinions onto him, yeah. like I do with every single player that I like. They all have the exact same opinions as me, and yeah. we all get along really well We're in real great. life. We're best friends. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, me yeah, and Freddie just, Freeman are like this. I think Freddie Freeman is just an awesome person, though. So, like I hope he, I, I want to believe that Freddie Freeman is an awesome person. <laughs> And he, he wants is. to come yeah, he first base for the Red Sox. <laughs> yeah. He does. He does. I agree with you completely. And it's just, you know, just his family and the love of Atlanta that's keeping him from that. That's all. It's totally fine. Stay Really, truly, if you're not going to come play for the Red Sox, please stay in Atlanta. Please, <sighs> please, please. Just stay. You just want a World Series. You're not going to win. and You're not going to win again. But <laughs> it's fine. You won. You got your ring. Stay in, stay in Hotlanta. Uh, well, hopefully we actually next time we'll be talking a little more about oh, real baseball, and if it not, be it would be if, great. If not, it's going to be baseball movies or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And but, now, um, do you, how quickly do you think things will like say in the next couple of days? We've we've locked out, for, like we've walked out of the lockout. How long do you think things are going to be like flurrying? Because like, we're going to lose some spring trading games. I think, think it's so, going to be mid February. Yeah, because the fourteenth is when I think pitchers and catchers are supposed to. Yeah. Because think, at this point, people don't have homes. <laughs> yeah, I think we're going to start seeing real movement maybe next week. Like real, at least I'm hopeful that like beginning of February we see something. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. But yeah. uh, that would be great. Yeah, but th- great. thank you so much for joining us today. We're really happy. Yeah. Uh, 
to have you here at the end and uh be back again uh next week yeah absolutely hopefully like ed says things to talk about if not you're going to learn about how the baseball movies we love <laughs> yep which i'm i'm fine talking about that too <laughs> oh yeah i've got so many for sure uh, All right. anyway it's been fun bye guys